Welcome to Rap In Order, the interrogation of a hip-hop album, where we take some of the culture's most beloved hip-hop albums, put them on the stand, see if they stood the test of time. Now let's see who we got on the stand today. Welcome to another episode of Rap In Order. I'm First Class Reg. And I'm Torian B. Man, how can I get into this album? How can I get into it? Okay, so, 2006. 2006, we can, when I think about that, I was one year out of high school. You graduated, what, 2004? Yep. Okay. So, I was one year out of high school. Um, Kingdom Come came out that year. It's a weird year for hip-hop. I think, I want to say Hip-Hop is Dead came out that year. Um, A bunch of different albums, but nothing was really sticking, which is, to me, and we'll talk about this off off mic, um, I was trying to think about... What was the reason why I didn't turn to this album? Because it was one of the biggest songs of that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm talking about Narls Barkley. Narls Barkley, which consists of CeeLo Green from the Goody Mob and um, and uh, and um, Danger Mouse, who, who formed this group um, in 2006, and they released their debut album, Sing Elsewhere, which is the album we're getting into today. Mm-hmm. But, you know, obviously it was led by the single Crazy, Crazy was everywhere. It was in department stores. I worked at CVS at the time. It was always on. But it just really never occurred to me to check out this album. And I don't know why. So, like, when you when you mentioned it, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I don't think I ever even listened to that. Um, Shocker. Yeah. So, what made you want to do this album? And how big was this album for you? This was one of my, like, favorite albums. This is one of my favorite albums ever. So in 2006, like, I was, my my music, um, my music palette was, like, expanding. So I was, like, getting into, like, um, more different kind of sound of music. And I heard this song on the radio, and, like, I had no idea who it was. I was like, yo, what the fuck is it? I was living in Atlanta at the time, so this was on V103, so it was on a hip-hop station. So I was like, what the fuck? Like, this, this I never heard nothing like this before. It sounded, you know, because it sounded like jazz, funk, and, like, um, it was like, this is from Charles Barkley. And I was like, that's an interesting name. Like, I wonder, is it a play off of Charles Barkley? Mm-hmm. So then, you know, I went on the internet and, like, tried to, like, figure it out. And, like, I just found, like, all of these weird stories about Charles Barkley. Like, Charles Barkley opened up for Jimi Hendrix. Charles Barkley uh, was one of Mariah Carey's mentors. Charles <laughs> Barkley um, actually had, jam- like, uh was very inspirational to the Wu-Tang Clan. Like, it, it was like, it was just like, it spread out all of these years. And I was like, damn, it took Norris Buckley this long to blow up? Like, <laughs> and then um, I found out when I saw the video that it was CeeLo Green and he was working with this producer named Danger Mouse, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool because um, then I found out like, oh shit, Danger Mouse did this project um, where he mashed up Jay-Z's um, acapella version of the black album yeah. with the Beatles white album and it mm-hmm. made the gray album. So, and I was, I'm also a huge fan of the gorillas and I found out that Deja Mouse like worked with the gorillas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was just very like cool to me, like to find out like, Oh shit. So like basically they kind of did what like the gorillas kind of did with, uh, creating a story 
and just telling the public anything and just like delivering the music. And, you know, Sila was already solo at this time because he had um, he had he had a, a project out already. I forgot the name of it. But like he had like song like music already out. Like he had a song with Trick Daddy um, Sugar that was a fucking bop. Oh yeah, and yeah, you know, like okay. he was he was already doing stuff on his own, right? And he was very experimental and very different from the sound of what the Goody Mob, what he did with Goody Mob. Um, so in two thousand and six, you got to think we got Tias King, we got Hip Hop Is Dead, we got the Inspiration by Jeezy, we got the Big Bang for Busta Rhymes, we got two albums from Jay Dilla, we got Donuts and The Shining, we got Lupe Fiasco's Food and Liquor, we got More Fish by Ghostface Killer. Um, Release Therapy from Ludacris. That was when he first cut his fucking braids. Mm-hmm. Hell Half No Fury. The Doctor's Advocate from The Game. Like you said, Kingdom Come from Jay-Z. Um, the Blue Carpet Treatment. That's an album I live with a lot, too, um, from Snoop. And then we got Idlewild, and that was, like, our last, like, official album from Outkast. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty, like, what else? Um, I mean, oh, Hustler's Palm by Jim Jones. Killer Season from Cameron. Bow Wow. Port of Miami. Port of Ross, Miami. Ross's debut. Ross's debut, Port of Miami, like Father Like Son from Man. Little from Little Wayne and Birdman. Um, the Price of Fame from Bow Wow. I don't mm-hmm. care what y'all say, that was a good ass That's album. That's the joint out of my system, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, Rotten Apple from Lloyd Banks. Like, you know, like we we got some shit that year. So like I I can get how like it could it could have like got like buried for you. But that album, nothing sounded like that album. Mm-hmm. Like, that album was so, like, different. And I think it was, like, the predecessor to, for us to get, like, a Bruno Mars and a, and a Anderson Pac today. Yeah, yeah I agree. Like, it, it really, like, like set the tone. And, um, yeah, like, it was just, like, a significant album for me. And, like, I was, like, really, really... I, I got to see them perform live. Oh, really? Because, you know, when I go hard for something, like, I learn everything. So, like, that year, they performed at the Tabernacle. And mm-hmm. the Tabernacle in... Um, and Atlanta basically is an old church and they, they turned it into like a place where people have concerts and shit. No. And they performed there and like I was like, oh shit, like this this is like amazing. CeeLo was dressed up like a Roman warrior. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but um yeah, it was just like one of the, it was this album was just a fun album. Like mm-hmm. it was it was just dope to me, like that CeeLo Green got to do this and that labels like actually believed in him. Yeah, yeah. I think um I think what's been so cool with like my like diving into this album, um and it kinda like reignited like a memory that I had of um of just the promo around it, like you said, with the with the fake names and that well the fake um promo that they had, which is, you know, like Drake and Twenty One or whatever. Yeah. But I think what was funny about it was that they would like they would do these magazine spreads where Danger Mouse has like a suit, whatever, and mm-hmm. then CeeLo's wearing like a wedding dress. Yeah. Um, or they'll be dressed up as like the like like they're in the sixties, seventies. Um, it was you ever have you ever seen the movie A Clockwork Orange? Yeah, I remember Clockwork Orange. All right, so that was where they got um the promo that's where they got a lot of the uh that's that's where they got the idea from the one where it looks like they're wearing like pajamas. Yeah. Okay. Shit. Like okay. that's that's where they got that they idea. They also from had they also have one where they dressed up like Napoleon Dynamite, mm-hmm. where um, Danger Mouse has like a vote for Pedro shirt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was a lot of promo around this album, but I couldn't find many interviews like them sitting down with yeah. people. And every interview that I saw, I saw maybe like two or three. But every interview that I saw, I noticed that um, they would ask them about Outkast and the Love Below. 
mm-hmm. and about speaker box. And it looked like CeeLo, CeeLo looked like he was a little frustrated with the question because, you know, his his line of history with Andre goes way back. Dungeon Family. Um, yep. He talks about, yeah, he even talks about um, them being, going back to like elementary school, mm-hmm. like back, back, back then, and then just forming and working together the way that they did. But this is in its own lane. I mean, granted, this came out just three years after Speaker Box Love Below. But so I could see why it's a comparison because it's like Danger Mouse, who I guess figuratively would be B- Big Boy in this situation, and CeeLo would be Andre. But the music, the actual music is not tied together at all. It's so different. Yeah. I think, I also think the frustration comes because for CeeLo, he's kind of always been on that kind of time. That was his mm-hmm. part. Mm-hmm. And Goody Mob, even though like he could rap with the best of them, like he's always kind of brought like the soul and funk. I think um him and uh Sleepy Brown, that's like that was like their job and on you know in in the Dungeon Family yeah. to like do. And I think for him, like it's like damn, like I've been on this kind of time. It's just that my group wasn't as big as Outcast, but like mm-hmm. we all like were in the, like the same studio working with, with Organized Noise and like. Yeah. I'm not, you know, like, no, like, Andre's my my friend and, like, my a lifetime friend, but, like, no, like, I influenced that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I think I think that's, like, kind of, like, where, like, he was coming from with it, and that 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 would be frustrating, like, to, to basically, you know, something that you've done all your life and, like, you know, people know you for it, but, like, now you're on, like, a, a major scale because, like, without, I think without, like, the, the single crazy in this album, I don't think that CeeLo reaches the heights that he reached. Mm-hmm. And, like, even, like, some of, like, the songwriting credits, like, his songwriting credits went up. Yeah. Like, pretty much he he became in demand because you can't tell me that, like, if you take some of the songs from this album you give it to other artists, that they don't hit number one. You know what I'm saying? I think, like, that that's absolutely the case. Even though CeeLo kind of, like, shot himself in the foot with his career anyway, but still. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think CeeLo is one of those artists, though, that's, like, just incredibly talented. And, you know, he can kind of just jump back out there whenever he wants with, with like, a song, a one-off song that, that'll, like, really get it going for him. Yeah. So I don't, I don't see him being done. I, I think it's just a matter of time before he comes out with something else. Um, we'll I know Niles Barkley has te- kind of teased the comeback over the years. Nothing's came from it yet, but I don't know. Like you said, we'll see. I did see in one of the interviews, he said something that I thought was pretty cool. He said, I wanted to set myself up to evolve. I wanted to try different things. So, like, basically the um, the liner notes of that was that he was he was talking about how him not being pigeonholed and him coming from, you know, Dungeon Family, Goody Mob, and, you know, him kind of being the quirky, unique one in those group settings, but not necessarily being seen like that from a different viewpoint because with Niles Barkley, it took him, like, international in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I think he kind of had to brand himself as almost like a new artist. And then what was probably frustrating with him for him was that during the interview run, they were interviewing him like he was new. Mm-hmm. And he had to keep explaining to them, like, his lineage, you know? Yeah, I mean, but you got to think about it. Like, this was because, like, Goody Mob was only in hip-hop. So I kind of yeah, understand, yeah. like, the interviewers. Because now, like, he's being he went from being only interviewed by, like, The Source and, like, Rap Pages and mm-hmm. XXL, right? To then, like, being interviewed by Blender. Yeah, the interview, right? actually, <laughs> the interview that I watched was a guy that, um... His first language wasn't English, so like every time, every time he would, every time he was talking to them, um, 
he would have to translate for the crowd. So, like, while they were talking. Yo, that, like, I, I definitely get that. Level. And then people forget, like, CeeLo is still from Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they got, they, they hot heads down there anyway. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I just think that, um, also, you gotta remember this. So the album originally came out in the in the United Kingdom first. So like I believe it came out came out in the United Kingdom at, at the top of the year, and then in the United States it came out in the spring. And they already had popularity, and I think overseas like the music the music consumers are like more educated. Mm-hmm. So I think that he had an easier time overseas because he's uh, he's also said that like he's way more appreciated overseas, like even for goodie mob shit, than he is in America. And I think a lot of musicians feel that way. Um. Like that, like American, like we just we just consume shit and mm-hmm. like don't like appreciate it. Like we, and we just don't, take shit. We don't, yeah, we don't sit with it. Even back, what's crazy is what did I watch? Like two, three interviews. So another interview that I watched, Danger Mouse was saying how um, even back then he was saying this. He was like, "Well, we're kind of just trying to have fun. We're trying to bring fun back to music, and it's kind of hard right now. Attention spans aren't what they used to be." Right. Like he was saying that in two thousand six. Right. And now. <laughs> Um, it's really in, in the somewhat Vine era, well, it's not Vine era anymore, but I say that because Vine was six Vine, seconds. Vine start, yeah, Vine yeah, taught that. Vine started that, but it was six seconds. Um, and, you know, attention spans are way worse than it was in 2006. So Agreed. I can only imagine what his thought process would be if they were trying to make a new album. I, I agree. Um, like I said, I really, really, really love this album. Like I, I really lived with it, mm-hmm. and I just had like I was like a kid in the candy store in two thousand and six with all like the different kinds of like music I was getting into. Yeah, um, I was really huge into like Fallout Boy. They, oh. they were like they were like one of my favorite rock bands. Mm-hmm. So like I was really like diving into music, and like all this album did was like making me like dive into like Parliament. Okay. And George Clinton, oh, yeah, I love and like, um, understand, like, know that uh, uh, fucking Rick James was more than just I'm Rick James, bitch, and super freak, mm-hmm. and like, listen to his old shit, like me, and like how talented that motherfucker was. Yeah, yeah, he play almost every instrument. Yeah. So it kind of like made me dive into a lot of music from like the seventies, like in in the sixties, like a lot of like funkadelic shit, mm-hmm. and like, um, well, psychedelic and funkadelic shit, and like, just like, kind of like understand like the 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 instruments that was being used on this album and shit that they was doing. Like, mm-hmm. and I definitely think Sealer did a lot of drugs making this album. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I wonder what, um, I wonder what Bruno Mars next era going to be. Cause he's done, he's done the nineties. He's done the seventies. He's done the seventies. He's done the sixties and he's in the fifties. Yeah. So I guess we get in eighties, eighties. He hasn't really done eighties. <laughs> I mean, he really, he just legit might just do Coke on the stage. <laughs> 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 yeah, like you think about, like he did, like he, he did fifties with the whole, like you know, the, what I'm saying um, doo wops and hooligans. Doo-wops, yeah, doo-wops and hooligans. Like he's done that era. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like uh, he's like the seventies was done with him and uh, Anderson Pop. Yeah, right. So I don't, I can't, I can't speak for the sixties. He did the nineties. He definitely did the nineties. So yeah, next is the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Right. We'll see. I so don't know. We'll, we'll probably get more, maybe more, maybe more rock, maybe more. Um, that would be cool if he do some rock. I think he can absolutely he, do it. He could do get it. on his Bruce Springsteen shit. Yeah. You know, be like the boss. I think he could do that. But um, but yeah, I only bring that up because you know. I mean, CeeLo kinda... and, and Bruno are very tied together. Yeah, because CeeLo, sure. if I'm not mistaken, CeeLo helps him write "Fuck You." Fuck you. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, that makes sense. Um, so get into getting into the album itself. I know you love this album, but what's some of your highlights? Like, what kind of off rip? Like, 
Um, obviously, uh, crazy. Um, mm-hmm. let me see. Um, obviously, crazy for one. Smiling faces is like I think smiling faces might be like my favorite song on the album. Yeah. Right. Um, and then we got. Smiling Faces and what's the name of the other song that is like my shit? So the Storm Coming. Oh yeah, the Storm like, Coming. So is Storm too. Coming is like something that like I really really enjoy, mm-hmm. and for me like I just feel like uh, like that song like I don't know why but like whenever whenever it rains I want to play that song like um so driving here mm-hmm. it was raining I played that shit and it just felt good yeah. um just a thought is a very interesting song too because to me like I think that like you know he's talking about contemplating suicide and I just really just like he was just like talking about certain things and just like what he was going through mm-hmm. and I'm like yo this is this is okay yeah. I get it like he's just saying like hey it's just a thought that crossed mm-hmm. my mind yeah yeah and and to to cover something so heavy like that and then to guise it under like yeah just a thought you know so it's not like you know people people have dark people people have dark thoughts like we're humans you know, they, they do have like their kind of their threshold of like how dark it gets. But for him, the guys that is like, you know, it's just a thought like mm-hmm. I'm not about to do nothing crazy. Just a thought. Um, I thought I thought it was pretty clever mm-hmm. to guys something so serious, so serious under such a simple. Yeah, title. And it just shows like where his pen is at mm-hmm. with, um, with writing. But um, the and then the, the song that ends the album, even though I don't think it should end the album. When was the last time that you danced? Mm-hmm. I just I like to dance like Elaine from Steinfeld to that shit. I just feel like <laughs> you're supposed to dance to that shit with like no rhythm. Like you're just supposed to just throw your hands up and just like make movements and shit. Like I just feel like that, like that song right there, like for me, like um is like such like it's like something that you play like at like weddings and shit like that. Like you play it and like everybody, like you know white people won't get up and dance to that shit. Like yeah. that's like the kind of like folk song that like white people get up and dance to and like they like they, they start telling you how much they love Jimi Hendrix and shit. <laughs> Shout out to Jimmy. Yeah, man. So yeah, like I like I, I truly like this album, like I, I feel like this album kind of like brought people together because it's like if you like hip hop, you're gonna be interested, right? If mm-hmm. you like if you like other genres of like rock, um, different like sounds of like punk, like alternative pop music, like it brings everybody together, yeah. right? And like I felt that way, like when I went to the Tabernacle and in Atlanta, and like I was like, I was kind of like I wasn't nervous because like I at one point in my life I did go to school like white kids and stuff, but like mm-hmm. I was it was just like. It was a very like eclectic group. group. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like common. Like I'm thinking, I, and my, I assumed I would go there and see a whole bunch of people that were, like Goody Mob fans. But I was like wondering like how this would go because like it's not. It doesn't sound like Goody Mob. But how did you? So you heard you heard crazy and you sought this album out yourself. Yes. Okay. Um, because I liked it so much, like I couldn't stop thinking about it. And like back then, like so I worked at Lennox Mall and I worked at Lady Foot Locker and we were next door to a FYE. Oh. So there was no like so I was so my I was and I and I used to work like ten hour shifts. So like it, it was enough for me to walk over next door and be like, yo, when you getting this album, when you getting this single, mm-hmm. ask some questions or whatever like that. And like they were all like they like this was back when like they used to like get like Info and packages from like the labels, like mm-hmm. so. I was like, "Yo, like, there's this song on the radio that's crazy. That's called Crazy by this guy named Niles Barkley. Like, are y'all, are y'all, do y'all have the single yet? Is there an album coming? And like, this dude, like, just just tell me, like, oh, 
Yeah, I don't know much about them, but like, yeah, they're they're a group. It's, it's a duo, and like, yeah, um, it's out in the UK. But like, we we'll get the single next week. So I yeah. literally, I was buying CDs and shit like that, and then um, I, I started just like getting music off iTunes as well. But yeah, like, um, it just made I was just interested. Like, I could not get crazy out of my head. Like, I was just I was like fucking mesmerized. Like, I was. I was hypnotized. There you go. I yeah. was hypnotized by that song, and I just had to like find out more about it. It's a it's a special song. I think because um, it was so big. Once you get to that level where you they playing your song in CBS, it's like you you a different you a different level. And I worked, I was working at CBS when this song was out, and I was in college. I was in yeah, I was in co- I was in community college in in Detroit when this was out. And I just wasn't in this, I wasn't in this lane yet. Like, I was still super, super hip-hop, and I just didn't delve, I didn't venture out. So, like, even though, and I I say that to say, even though I like this song, I didn't seek it out. You know, I've become more proactive with, like, my music Mm -hmm. as, as I'm an adult now. Before, it was just, like, I would listen to some shit, and it's like, oh, yeah, that was cool. But now it's like, all right, I listen. And we have different ways to be proactive now because we can listen. If we don't know some shit, we can Shazam it. Mm-hmm. We can do so much. Do you think it was a promo, though? Do you think, let's say, if, like, we knew off Rip, like, all right, Nas Barkley is, like, is is CeeLo Green mm-hmm. and Danger Mouse. Do you think it was a promo and, like, the, the mystery of, like, you not seeing it? Because I'll give you this example. I think if mm-hmm. Anderson Pop had came out in 2006 and, like, like somebody that you could like see I think that you would have been interested in like checking it out I just think it was that like he was faceless yeah yeah I could see that I could I, maybe it is that I, I truly think for so for a while yeah cause for a while nobody knew who they who Niles Barkley was um and it was all part of the promo but it's funny how that kind of works in artists' favor now because for a while people didn't know who Division was for a while, people didn't know what her looked like. Um, I think now it's retooled and used differently. But back then, we wanted to know who the fuck we was listening. I to. think that I think that social media helped out with that too, though, because yeah. I think with division and like her, like that was something that was more so like was spoken about in like chat rooms and like people were able to discuss it. So some people were able to get more answers yeah. versus back then, like, bro, I was going to a fucking record store asking about Nars Barkley. Mm-hmm. And then I had to start doing like nerd shit, like going on like uh on on like uh label websites. Uh, and stuff like that like I, I was do shit like that too yo like it's things like that that I would do and like find out about shit about artists like there's a group called The Killers mm-hmm. and like they're from Las Vegas and like I became a fan of theirs just because like they they were on they were about to come out and like they just kept giving promo for them and I was like alright I want to get into rock music more so yeah. like I just started fucking with them just off the strength of that never heard a fucking song mm-hmm. so I listened to it and I'm probably pretty sure I told myself I liked it but then I grew to like it Okay. Okay. Yeah, I see that. So it's just like like a right place, right time type of yeah, thing. Yeah, like it, it just, just was like work. It was just working out for me. Yeah. Like with with me, I just purposely wanted to, because I, I felt like I was like, yo, with my hip hop, like I got it. Like I just yeah. wanted to start getting into other genres, mm-hmm. but I wanted to get into like updated genres. Cause I was like, yo, it's easy to go back and listen, but like I actually want to become a fan. And like the funny thing is, people like when people think of music in Atlanta, they only think of hip hop. But like the music scene in Atlanta, just in general, is actually like really really good. 
So, you know, I just I, I like I just felt really good about that shit. I think at this time I just didn't um in two thousand six I wasn't venturing out from what I was introduced to. It's like I was carrying what I was introduced to in music and I wasn't venturing out fully yet. Mm. So like everything else that kinda like poked at the bubble that I was in, mm-hmm. like I would I would entertain it, I would listen, but I wasn't like kind of just grabbing it to, like, you know, get to know it more. But um, when you recommended this album, I was actually excited to get into it. And um, and I ha- and I have a few, quite a few highlights on here. So you named some of your highlights. Um, I think mine is similar. Mine, Smiley, Smiley Faces was one for me. Um, Gone Daddy Gone was, like, kind of odd. Because mm-hmm. it, it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's catchy. But it's like the, the subject matter is so dark. It's so dark, but it's catchy. And then um, there was another one that I saw. Oh, Go Go Gadget Gospel was I don't know. I I wasn't too sold on that one at first, and, and it wasn't until I heard the um, instrumental because I'm actually ends off with the instrumental of mm-hmm. that song, and I went back and kind of Danger Mouse man. I listened to it. He was blacking. Yeah, um, Danger Mouse is really. Awkward in interviews too. Yep. Because he don't he don't like to talk about the shit that he does at all. Um, but there's some there's some good moments on here. I mean, crazy obviously that's a no brainer. Um, Feng Shui. Feng uh, Feng Shui. Is that Feng Shui? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That is Feng Shui. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Feng Shui is a good one. And Transformer. Yo, I mean, also the opening track. When I think about it now, too. Is really good, mm-hmm. and like the way it starts off is like it's like comes like blaring through like the the whole tape and everything like that. So yeah, um, Go Go Gadget Gospel mm-hmm. is like a great opener for it. Do you have any like uh, low points on the album for you? Yeah, um, let me see. I want to say the Boogie Monster. So. This is my thing. So the Boogie Monster, like, there's two songs on the album that sound alike, and I'm like, what's the point? Like, it it sounds like it sounds alike, and it also sounds like he's telling the same story, in my opinion, right? So it's the Boogie Monster, and I'm gonna butcher the name of this. Um, number twelve, the Necro Necro Necromancer. Yeah, mm-hmm. they both kind of like give me the same vibes, and I was just like, is he just like like just doing it in like a different way or a different approach? But it just seemed to me like that way. But like uh, those those two songs are like songs on the album that I kind of like didn't didn't need because mm-hmm. like I'm like the album already has a dark tone like I liked it I like more so like of the metaphor opposed to like being directly dark yeah so yeah. I was just cool with that like you know what I'm saying like where well, I'm like wait a second is he versus oh shit this is dark you know so that that was just like my take from it um, also like I it is more so like um that like uh. I wish that um, they would have had some features on the album. Yes. You know, it, well, okay. So think about 2006. Who would have been ideal for like features for this album? Andre. <laughs> would have been would have been a great one. I feel like that would have been a no-brainer. I would have liked to have heard, heard, I would have liked to have heard like his people on there, like Sleepy Brown on there yeah. as well. I think that's such a no-brainer that he didn't want to do it. I, yeah, I think that he really, really wanted to like separate himself and like do something on his own or whatever like that. Yeah. But um, just like them, I mean, shit, I wouldn't have minded hearing um, fucking George Clinton. 
in yeah. the parliament. Isaac Hayes was still oh, alive. Yeah. Like, like I'm like I'm not talking about like rap. I'm talking about like people that you, you could have got. Like, I get like he was inspired by them and like he could probably just mm-hmm. want to do his own thing. But like even the fact of like you know what I'm saying Isaac Hayes was alive. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a lot of people that he was inspired by to make this project that was still alive that I would have liked to have heard on the project. Erica Badu probably would have been great. The, yeah, all the people that that was like they were claiming to be close friends with in the promotion of it, they really should have reached out to to work with. No, nah, it would have been hilarious to hear Mariah Carey on this album. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I don't even know how that would have fit. But yeah, like the fact, you know what I'm saying? Or like maybe if we would have got like a, a an appearance from one of the Wu Tang members on the album because they, mm-hmm. they said that they was close with them. It just, it just, it just felt like the, the album, it just felt like it, it was missing something um, as far as that. And I think features is like the thing that it was missing. And I really would have liked to have, have had some, like, you know, some other features or shit, even like some remixes later on or whatever like that. Like this album, like literally lives in a capsule yeah. by itself. But it was such a uh, to me like it was just like an outlier of all the albums that came out in 2006 mm-hmm. because by 2006 a lot of things were becoming uniform yeah and like the sound was like sounded a certain way and this album was so left field like I believe that they were nominated for Grammys but I don't think that they like took home I know Crazy was nominated a shit ton yeah I think they took home some Grammys but I don't think they took home the big Grammy but um, like I was really, I was just really like in love with this album. Like I don't know how many times I could say that. Like till this day, like I there's certain tracks I listen to this album, and I'm just like it puts me in a good mood. It is. A, I was surprised by the listen. Um, it was nominated for album of the year actually and record of the year, but it didn't it didn't win yeah. either. I don't think. But no, so I was very I was very surprised by this. Did you check out their second album in two thousand eight? The Acapo, of course I did. Yeah, I was I was think? I was already locked in. Um, it wasn't it wasn't as good as as the first album, mm-hmm. but it's still a good listen. The Acapo was still good. Like um, they it actually like um, it was funny because like there's there's a video for the lead single and it's pretty much like them like being. They were they were in like all these like historic events like when JFK got killed, the moon landing, like that was mm-hmm. the video was about, <laughs> and everything. But um. I think thing I think CeeLo just like his schedule became too hectic and Danger Mouse like really started going like hard working with the gorillas and stuff yeah. like that. And um uh, and then CeeLo started hosting um America was it America's Got Talent or the Voice No the Voice. He was on the Voice mm-hmm. until he wasn't on the Voice anymore. But yeah. You I know think what's crazy is you um you probably haven't even heard this album to its fullest potential yet because you don't do psychedelics. And it's, I mean, and oh it's well. specifically made for that. I mean, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying that's just funny because because you love the album so much already in your soberness that yeah. like, if you were to do psychedelics, like imagine how you would feel listening. Ladies to and gentlemen, Reggie's trying to encourage me to do drugs on on <laughs> psychedelics. It's a better word. Psychedelics. Tell him I'm bald. Yeah, it's a better word. I I just think it would be funny I, if you. It would be. An experience. Yeah, you know, my my you worst fear is that I do psychedelics and I just end up somewhere naked. Like it is just that's just I just that's part, well, and I'm saying all of this like I've done it. I haven't done it, but I'm just saying this album is specifically catered to that type of ear. Um, and I think when you have such an a such a an affinity for it and this sound, if you haven't done it, and I and mind you, I love. Jimi Hendrix and all these people that make music for that type of sound. Um, yeah, but I mean, you smoke music. weed, so like that works. Nah, I don't smoke like that. But you still do. No, I've never rolled up weed except for when I was in Amsterdam in my life. I've only smoked uh, in I my see what you're saying. when it's passed to me. I see what you're saying. No, I was just saying yeah. like, 
I've never even bought weed. Like, you know, you know what? I've never bought weed. I have, yeah. I've smoked weed as well, guys, but yeah. I, I'm, I've never bought weed. I've never, and you don't even ask me to roll up. Yeah. You know, I smoke never. a cigar though. But yeah, like, no, I just assume that because you smoke weed, that mm-hmm. there's been times where you smoke and like you listen to music. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. In the past, yeah. Okay. And I, and I listen to it, but I can't tell you the last time I smoked weed. It's not even, but I know, and I say that to say like, when artists like Wiz or Currency, and I love both of them, mm-hmm. um, when they make music, I'm like, well, if I was a weed head, I know this would be like next level for me. All right, so I guess I do have one up on you. While we did the How High, um, what, yeah, so when, yeah, how, when we did the, no, not, what was the name of that project that they have? Um, um, how Fly. How Fly. Yeah. When, when we did How Fly, I had a weed pen and I smoked weed pen while I was out. Uh, oh, okay. All right, yeah. yeah. So something like that, See, it definitely elevates. I am, I am more edgy than Reg. It elevates the experience. So you're right. You're right. Yeah. I just think um, when Nas Barkley though, I'm interested to see what they will sound like in this current day. I think their music will be digested a lot better, and they'd be able to market it a lot better with their of course, the seriousness. They, of course, they'd be able to market it a lot better, and I also think that um. Like, I, I feel like there will be more people, like, wanting to, like... Well, I'm pretty sure, like, CeeLo will open it up, but, like, there's so many people that, like... I feel like Anderson Park has to have some kind of, like... He gotta have some type of say in this. Something. Bo- Bootsy Collins, like... Yeah, that's gotta, what I'm saying. Like, there's, like... Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, like, people that, like, need to, like, work shit. Even fucking John Mayer, man. Get John Mayer in that motherfucker. Yeah, John Mayer would be... Yeah. There's a lot of people that, like, can, you can get in there to just work with them and everything like that. So, you know, like uh I think I think there's man. a lot of possibilities. And if Mac Miller was alive. Oh man, yeah. Mac would love to work on this project. Get some Thundercat on here. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Thundercat. Oh, yeah. my God. It is, yo, they come on now. Haven't they haven't they haven't tapped their potential, man. Do the right thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Your I man mean, D'Angelo. D'Angelo. Yeah, D'Angelo could be on here too. They could get something they can get something going with this, man. Yeah. I think I think with this album and I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to the second album just to see if it's in the flow of things with this, or to see how much of a step down it is. Whatever. But I'm open to it. I just want to see because this album I was impressed by. Um, there's some big. There's some highlights on here. I already named the ones that I didn't really like, um, but overall I was impressed. I was impressed, and they really locked in. I'm gonna keep digging for interviews because I can't believe I only found like three. They didn't video do that many interviews. interviews though. Yeah. Like as as a duo, they didn't do that many interviews. They did they did a lot of press. One of their interviews was on High 97 with DJ Enough. I watched that one. <laughs> and it was super awkward. DJ Enough starts the interview off um introducing himself and giving his history as like being a DJ to them. And it was seven minutes. So he starts off and he's like just so you guys know, I'm DJ Enough. And um, and it was super like, they were just looking at him. They're like, uh-huh, you could tell Danger Mouse didn't want to fucking be there. And he's like, yeah, and I'm Puerto Rican. And and he just saying all this shit about himself and then spends the next five minutes just asking them about their history and music. It was weird. Yeah, that means DJ Enough wasn't prepared and did not nah. know that CeeLo Green was in Goody Mob or nothing. Yeah, yeah because even before the interview really, really kicked off, he was like, I got Nas Barkley walking in here. I'm kind of nervous. I don't know what I'm going to ask them. So he just was super off the cuff. That's what, You want to know what? I have like this thing and maybe like I should stop thinking this, right? Um, I was talking to my little my little brother, um, Ant, 
who's a DJ. And, like, I always try to, like, tell him, like, to, like, learn more about, like, stuff beforehand. So I'm like, yo, listen to, like, other genres of music. Um, learn, Like, find out these things. And he was like, well, why do I need to do that? I need to play, like, the music that people want to hear now. And I'm like, yeah. Like, all right, so you're 24, right? And, but, like, eventually you're not going to be 24 anymore. And, like, what if you get booked, what if you get booked for a party and, like, it's, like, for a substantial amount of money and, like, they want you to play only music from the 90s and, like, make, like what if that's, like, the specific rule mm-hmm. and, like, you step outside of the 90s and, mm-hmm. like, they're pissed at you? Yeah. You know, or, like, what if, like, shit, what if you get booked for, like, a, like older, like, people, like, that are our grandparents' age and they only want 70s and 80s? Mm-hmm. And I was, like, and then, like, you know, like, you might know, like, things that, like, aren't deep cuts, but, like, you know, you know things that are, like, on the surface and they just say, oh... You ain't do no homework. So, like, it's always interesting to me, like, when someone tells me that they're a DJ and they're not a walking music encyclopedia. Yeah. yeah. I know that sounds, like, really, like, hard and heavy-handed, but I just, oh, I'm always curious. Well, no, I mean, I think the way you put it is good because, essentially, yeah, he'll get booked for um, for different shit that's, like, in different genres or different decades and... You gotta be somewhat knowledgeable with the shit, right? And just brush up on on your stuff when you're not even working. Just, I mean, it's music. Your job is to listen to music. I just always think that because I just, I'm like, for me, like I love hip hop, but I know that like hip hop is based off of mainly using samples or using mm-hmm. sounds from like other genres, right? Mm-hmm. So sometimes like I want to know like where like something comes from or whatever like that. Like that's why like. I remember when I went on my David Bowie journey and, like, realizing how much of hip-hop David Bowie, like, was a part of an influence and shit like mm-hmm. that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Puff damn near, like, used so much of that nigga's music yeah, <laughs> to yeah. sample. And then, like, how much, like, he, like, uh, like appreciated and loved hip-hop and was an advocate for it. Yeah, I remember even the, back um, then. the article you wrote about yeah. that. So, you you know, like learning about that or like learning about like the blues and stuff, you know, I just always, I'm just always interested. So like you saying that about the DJ enough thing, like it, it's just kind of like disappointing because it's just like, damn, like here, here's somebody like is a renowned DJ, somebody that you respect. And like they say, like they say they love music, but it's like, no, just say you love the genre of music that you're working in. Mm-hmm. You love rap. You love hip hop. That's cool, rap. bro. But you don't love music. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Sorry for that rant, ladies and gentlemen. Just <laughs> but that's that's kind of a way to just tie it all all the way back. So, um, so you do love this album. I haven't really heard you name any flaws, so I'm curious to know your um, rating. So, all right. So here's the thing. I love this album, right? But I don't. I don't even know how to rank it because like he does very little like basically when we we rate the albums they're usually rap albums right mm-hmm. this album is not a rap album mm-hmm. but it's 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 still fits into the rap family because of who the lead who the who the because lead vocals are yeah because CeeLo he does some rapping on the album right but um I I give this album a four because like you know I, it has replay value for me the lyricism on there is amazing the production is great um I did wish that like they worked with other artists on the project mm-hmm. but it's just not something that like I feel like um was definitive and maybe like I need to start ch- like championing this album more because there's so many people like we we talked to our friend Robbie Digital shout out to Rob mm-hmm. before we did this episode and like he was like yeah I never listened to it like I heard crazy and it was cool like for some reason, like, I feel like people didn't feel like there was an urgency to listen to this album. Yeah. 
And like um, we came to the conclusion that it had to be the last because like because people didn't know that it was CeeLo Green until like later. Like it was it was something that was like, oh shit, word that's CeeLo. Like it just would seem like it was something that people just didn't like care about. And like I'm trying to like figure that out, but like and I've never ever thought about ranking this album. Usually I always think about that. Mm-hmm. But with this project, I just like enjoy it. And like I don't think that it like I, I do think that it was um it laid the groundwork for artists like Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack to come out mm-hmm. and um, 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 Janelle Monet. But I just think that um, this album is not like um, like the best of its genre or like I don't think that it was like defining or definitive. I think it was like a fun passion project that he made. And that's why I gave it four out of five waffles because it's like there's there's not many flaws on the album to nitpick at but it's not like a perfect it's not like the standard or yeah. anything like that um I think for me I'm I'm comfortable giving it a three okay cause I haven't sat I haven't sat with it that long one mm-hmm. so it doesn't resonate with me as strong as it does for you I think for me there are some highlights on the album that I name and um and it's super impressive that this was around 2006 because a lot of the music on here doesn't sound dated um, doesn't sound dated at all. Like the from the production to the vocals to the subject matter too. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a heightened um, there's a heightened focus on mental health, and that's all over this album. Mm-hmm. But the way that it's done is so the artistic level is crazy because it's not done over the this sad somber music, even though the subject matter is so heavy. It's done in a very very specific specific and really intent as a different type of intent behind it um but for me i'm comfortable giving it a three i think with CeeLo and like how rob said like yeah i heard crazy and it was cool i didn't want to like seek it out CeeLo, even though i respected him and i do respect him in the hip-hop community he wasn't a name at the time that that i would see attached and it would make me run to something mm. i don't think i don't think he never was that for me and then added to the mystique of this album where it was like, I don't even know who Norm Sparkly is. buried in everything. Yeah. So, like, it was just like, I don't know, 2006, it, it was crazy. Jay-Z came out of retirement. Like, I was super, like, still hip-hop focused. Lupe Fiasco debuted that year. So, it was just like, I don't know, a lot of shit that just didn't penetrate like what I was listening to or make its way through what I was listening to or if it didn't make it on soul.com or hip hop DX <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't seeing it you wasn't seeing it yeah, yeah. nah for me it was the opposite cause I was like dungeon family obsessed mm-hmm. and so like I was just like uh, like I just thought that the dungeon family was like the greatest it, it, it was like down south Wu-Tang Clan but like they were like the Wu-Tang Clan was just full of rappers mm-hmm. dungeon family was full of artists and I think yeah. that's like a huge thing that was like really like fascinating to me. And like I just once I realized like, oh shit, like this is CeeLo, like he's finally gonna get his shot. Mm-hmm. Cause like, you know, like I think that like CeeLo was a standout member of the Goody Mob, but I feel like, you know, like um like Big Gip was like more so like out front. And I forgot the, uh, oh, I can't get his name right. I don't wanna mess it up. But yeah, like Big Gip was like kinda like more so like the more Famed member of the group, so you know, I just felt like uh, I wanted I wanted to support it, and I was happy for him that like I knew he was going to be like more crossover. 
was it Rico Wade? Or no, Rico Wade, Wade was an organized noise. Uh, so yeah, uh, Big Rube is a part of. He's a part of the Dungeon family. Uh, let's see, um, Slim Calhoun, part of the Dungeon family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, see. Like they don't talk about oh Cujo, there you go Cujo. So Cujo was like the other, but that's the one who lost his leg. Ah, okay. Yeah, he's the one who starts off um that that song um release therapy. He's the first. He's the first. He's the lead um the the first verse. Okay. So yeah, like I just you know like I said I just thought that um I I just wanted to support CeeLo. Yeah, no, I get that, and um and for me Dungeon Family I wasn't that. Is in the Dungeon Family? Yeah. <laughs> Dungeon <laughs> Family, yo. Look at all these members of Dungeon Family. Corrupt? <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that either. Oh. oh, wow. Joy? You learn something new every day. That's crazy. I remember Joy. You remember Joy? The no. singer? She was, she was the one that took over for, um, for Dawn when she left Lucy Pearl. Ah, okay. Yeah, she took over for Dawn, but Lucy Pearl didn't make it that far without Dawn. And I was a, I was a Lucy Pearl fan. Anyway, this album, I'm comfortable giving a three. I am going to visit and try to see what their second album was about. I encourage people to, if you want to, if you're into Anderson Pack and Bruno Mars, well, I won't even set it up on that standard. Not like that. I don't want to compare them. But if you're into like the psychedelic type of music of today, I would challenge our listeners to listen to this album from 2006 just to see how it's came, you know, just to see how far it's came in a genre, I guess you could say. And for that Neo Soul sound. Okay. Um, cool with that. Yeah. So if you like this album, let us know what you think. If you have listened to this album and you don't fuck with it at all, you can let us know that too. I'm First Class Reg. And I'm Tori B. We're out of here. Catch you next time. These are their stories. Dun, dun.